So um, this morning, I I got up and I was going through my notes, went down in the hotel while everybody was sleeping, and then got ready and then forgot all my teaching notes at the hotel. So Fred, thankfully, he um, he printed was able to print them off for me, but it's not in my binder. And sometimes I'm a little spazzy. Anybody that knows me, so I did ensure that even if I throw my notes on the floor, they're numbered. <laughs> so if something happens like that, I just don't want you to think it's catastrophic. It's fine. It'll be fine. So anyway, sometimes I'm not you know I'm not wired just. Smooth. Who told you that? I don't know what. I just. I don't. It's not a bad thing. It's not that I'm planning on dumping my nose. It's just I don't have a high value for perfection in my. You know what I mean? It's not my highest value in life. I'm very hard to embarrass. If I do something stupid, so what? That's kind of me. So um, anyway, I. I wrote this message that I'm going to release this morning probably about five years ago. And it was a str- just a, a certain season that I thought in my life, and then I have not preached it. But I've, I'm preaching this message this morning for myself because I feel like it's a season that the Lord is drawing me back into and saying, Hey, Amy, I need you to re-remember. And I, I want you to re-remember the things that I talked to you about this and um, and just really firm yourself up. Because I don't know about the rest of you, but I have been in a season of transition upon transition upon transition. Just navigating through COVID and all the stuff. Like the, the kids are doing things. The kids are not doing things. You know, navigating disappointments with children. Navigating births of grandchildren and and some of the you guys all know that our Lucy has some challenges in navigating that transition, navigating children getting married, um, my children all turning into adult humans. It's just life is full of transitions and I know I mean even with Kevin and Mary Ann, with you know the business, it's like expanding before their eyes. I mean we, I think we're all I think life is full of transitions. And, you know, in the kingdom of God, that's called moving from glory to glory. Right? So transitions is the practical earthly term. But we have to have the kingdom mindset for being people that actually move from glory to glory. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about transitions and glory and, and walking through it and what it looks like for us to, as Christians, steward it. Because we get one opportunity to walk through this life. We get one, you know, like 80 to 100 years that we are here, that we get to make human choices for wisdom. Human choices to make, you know, to to believe Him. When we get to heaven, it is not going to be a challenge to believe God is good. The, the challenge is done. The shoe has dropped. It is finished. Right now is our opportunity. And I, for one, want to seize my day. I can only offer a sacrifice of joy when it's a sacrifice. It's, it's our one time. Our one time. And so, so kiddos, I want your ears wide awake because this is not an adult message. This is a human message. 
This is a message for people, kingdom people who want to walk through life well. And how many of you know the story of King David? Right? King David's great story. How many of you think David's life is smooth? Like it just went like perfection, like called to kings, established as king, just like just fell into place. That was not David's story. He actually was anointed to be king at age 13, Lucy. It's a good age. Yeah, is that your age too? Got how anybody else 13 in the room? You turn, I just think of you as 14. You are 13. Silas turns 14 like in a week and a half. My brain has transitioned. Yeah. We'll stay 13. Good job, buddy. Thanks for anchoring your mother. He's not as old as I thought. Phew, Um, So here he is. King David's being anointed. And it was, let's do some quick math, 17 years before he stepped into partial kingship. That's a long time, people. 17 years. It's Maggie's entire life. 17 years. And then it was another seven and a half years before he became king of all of Israel. So by this time, he's 37, 38 years old. That is a long time of David navigating transition. Okay, so this isn't something that's just, you know, just for us in our time. This is just human humanity, right? And in 1 Samuel 23, 14 through 16, it said, um, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. And I think this is one of the keys to David's life, is his ability to find strength in God. And when we have moments that feel not strengthy, that works. Everybody know what non-strengthy moments feel like? Because I do. Learning to, instead of leaning in the wallow of my non-strengthy moments, learning to choose to turn and position myself to find strength in God. And here, this is a key thing too. When you are in a body, when you are in a family, part of what we do is help them find strength in God because Jonathan came to David and helped him find strength in God. He did not give to him unsanctified compassion and come up and be like, wow, that's horrible. This is really miserable. That is not compassion in the kingdom of God. We don't need to come up and like bolster somebody's misery. We need to come up and we need to help them find strength in God. And it's that's that's being a true friend. If Fred's struggling and I'm like, wow, that is miserable. You are right. That is bad. That Fred doesn't need that from me. He doesn't need that from me. He is well aware of his situation and circumstance, right? We all see that all too clearly. So life has transitions and some of them are spiritual. Like King David, it was spiritual and it was physical. He was the physical king of Israel, but there was something happening in the kingdom of God. There was a spiritual shifting that was happening for the nation of Israel with him stepping into kingship. There are things like 
going from being single to being married. Our son Benjamin just just made that transition, and it was very cute. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Benny. Um, it was so cute this morning to hear him talk about how Hattie stole all the blankets last night, and he had to, you know, use his emergency blanket so he wasn't freezing. And I'm like, it's so cute to me as a mom to hear my son talking about married life and and his wife and all of these things. But that's a major transition, um, going from being, you know, being just a married couple to becoming a parent. Going from being parents to becoming grandparents. These are transitions in life. And some of them are easier than others. What about getting a new job? How many people think the first day on a new job is the greatest thing ever? You know, it's like, it's hard. Firsts are hard. Or going from working your whole life to becoming retired. All of these things are transitions. And then in the spirit, we've got, you know, going from... Of being in the kingdom of darkness to being in the kingdom of light. That salvation experience is huge. We have to learn all new ways of walking. Walking in the power of spirit. Learning about the Father's love. There are all these things that we are constantly growing and then transitioning. And what I have learned is that learning to navigate transitions in life well is critical. It's absolutely critical. So we're going to go through five keys to navigating trend. I think it's actually six. I added a sixth this morning. It was five keys. You guys get the sixth. Um, six keys to navigating transitions. And I'm going to drink. My Fitbit is buzzed, so that could be a text from my mother. It is. Okay. One moment, please, for a hospital update. It's just a picture. Is it looking better? Mm-hmm. The doctor gives it a mm. <laughs> We have room for more improvement. God bless my dad's foot. In Jesus' name. All right. So key number one. And how do I make this thing go? Why don't you do that? Thank you. Key number one. Know that the Father has pre-prepared you for whatever new circumstance you find yourself in. And Lucy, we talked about this last night a little bit. Lucy's going to a new school. That's a pretty big transition, right? Um, going international with your business is a pretty big transition. But when we face these things, we need to know that we have been pre-prepared for this. This is not a surprise for God. He's not gasping and going, oh, what am I going to do now? He has been placing inside of you in advance everything that you need to successfully navigate this life transition. So when you find yourself someplace that's unexpected for you, it's time to sit back and say, okay, daddy, I feel surprised, but I know you are not. What is it that you have already placed in me? Awaken that to me, Holy Spirit, because I know you have pre-prepared me. And if we can anchor on that truth, instead of being surprised and bewildered and shaken, we can stand steadfast in a place of rest and wait on him knowing he's already deposited what we need to begin this transition. Hebrews chapter 13, 20 through 21 says, 
Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, working in you. Daddy is working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Ah, and from there, we can come into this place of rest, right? Because we don't have to figure it all out. He's done the figuring. We need to rest and listen. Rest and listen. Another thing in this that I have found to be critical is to remove the question of why God from my vocabulary. Because when I am searching after the why because I feel like he needs to explain himself to me, I'm actually missing what he's doing and what I'm supposed to do. Right? Because why is not the question. What are you doing? How are you moving? How do you want to use me in this place? That's going to lead us into a victorious mindset instead of one that kind of can go down. I have a few places in my life that I will not ask why. I will not ask why. But I know that I know that I know that he's up to something good. And that he will take any of those background things and he will make them triumphant because it's the only way he operates. So if you have those unknown things and you're not sure, W-H-Y, just tuck that one behind and ask him, what are you doing? How can you use me here? What is your strategy? Because he always has one. And knowing that we come from a place of victory always is so reassuring because my eyes are not what gives me my evidence. He is. And I I am victorious. That's just drop the mic. That's all there is to it because of my position in him. So how we interpret our transitions in life is vital. Nope. I'll get there. I'll say key number two. I'll be your clue. They're kind of sub points to the first point. So... About, um, oh, it's been a long time ago now. We're going years, decade plus ago. I, after I had uh, my, you guys have, most of you have heard my testimony of when I encountered the love of the Father and it changed my whole life. It was like it was night before and it was day after and it has stayed day. <laughs> he is incredible and what he has awoke, uh, awoken inside of me is only it's it's a miraculous thing that's what the lord does but after i had this encounter with the love of god i went into this season where i would randomly be sitting in a chair the first time it happened i was sitting in a chair at my women's bible study and all of a sudden everything on me got heavy 
Like, I could just, the presence of God was so thick and it was out of the blue. I could barely get up off my chair to drive myself home. I was just, it, it was strange. I'm like, God, hi. You know, what do you say besides hi, you know? And, um, I go home and, and finally I'm able to, you know, head to bed and all of that. Well, like three days later, I'm sitting on the couch and it happens again randomly. I mean, I'm not praying. I'm not doing anything. And I, I entered in this probably six to seven month period where I would randomly have the the just heavy weight of presence of God just fall on me out of nowhere. And sometimes it was awkward. Like all my nieces and nephews, my, my brother's a very Baptist minister and his kids were all over and his wife and I'm sitting glued to my couch in my school room and my head's like crumpled. And I'm sitting there like, I'm fine guys, it's all fine. Everything's just fine with auntie. You know what I mean? I'm trying. How do you explain that? I I couldn't. And um, it was amazing. I loved it. I loved this season of my life because it was just like, it was like he was playing hide and seek with me. You know what I mean? Like he was in love with me. I was in love with him and he was just playing with me because it was fun. And, and then all of a sudden that stopped. Now, right here is where it's very, very important that we interpret the transitions of life accurately. Because I could have said, why God? Why has that changed? What's the deal? And you know what I've discovered in that season? Was that how he was showing himself to me in that season? He wanted me to learn to lean into him in a different way. And then I began to have different kinds of encounters. Like I would suddenly just feel the pressure change in my ears. And I'd be walking along functioning normally, but I'd feel the pressure change. And that would be my signal. Hey, the presence of God is here to do what he's wanting to do. It didn't always look like Amy glued to the sofa. You know what I mean? And so when we are encountering God, here's the thing. He's never leaving us. He's never leaving me because he adores me. So when something shifts in my life, it means he wants me to learn to lean into him in a new way. So don't it so so many times like past history of rejections and some of those things can get their little hooks into our interpretation of how God moves in our life and we have to unhook ourselves knowing that he always loves us. All right. Key number 2. Good job, baby. Do you think I can put this down here and not kick it over? I should put my lid on. Just safeguard. Just a safeguard. Okay, thanks for processing that with me. All right, number two. Know the truth and violently possess it, no matter how you feel or what thoughts go through your mind. And Gianni and I could preach whole messages on this um, together in tandem. It would be a very exciting message. Don't you think Gianni and I preaching together would be good fun? Um, But... When we know truth, it is an anchor for us because he teaches, he equips us, he instills things in us, and it actually allows us not to be tossed to and fro like the book of James talks about, the waves tossing us to and fro. We can actually be anchored in him. And declarations are one of the key things that I feel like every one of us as Christians need to utilize declarations and decrees in our Christian walk. 
because we need to speak out into the atmosphere of our lives what truth is and where it is that we will anchor ourselves. It is right. You've, you've got some memorized too, don't you, Joshua? Mm-hmm. And so I, you probably, I don't know how many years ago now, I had a day, a day, one of those. I was coming home from church and every wrong thought was just zooming through my head. And it was like, lie, lie, lie. And I felt like I was just like being battered, you know what I mean? And I'm like, wait a second. Amy does not get battered. Amy is the batterer. <laughs> and and so I sat down at my kitchen table and I took probably an hour and a half as every lie that the enemy was assaulting with me with, I wrote the opposite down as declarations. And I know you guys have probably heard that story before. Um, but those are on the back table. And it's because lies, we don't have to have them zoom across our head and say, oh yeah, that's true. I am miserable. Yeah, my friends really don't like me. I'm actually rejected. And, you know, I'm never going to do the things that I want to do for God. Because the enemy is going to try to tell you that. And the only thing that we, we have choices. When the enemy is lying in our head, not every thought you have in your head is yours. Children, let me tell you that. Not every thought you have in your head is your thoughts. The enemy tries to make himself sound like you so it makes it more believable. But sometimes those lies come in, boom, and he's he's like, hey, are they buying it? Are they going to believe me? And the enemy just wants us to say yes and come into agreement with those lies. This is a powerful thing. Do not believe him. Do not believe him. When he tells you you are rejected and unlovable, you say, ha, ha, ha. I am a loved daughter of God and my friends actually adore me and a favor rests on top of my life and everywhere I go people say, wow, I really like her. She is attractive because of Christ in me. That's the truth of how we live. And so not every thought is your thought. They're ours to take captive, right? And so whatever season you find yourself in, I feel like declarations of last season may still be helpful, but there's going to be new things as seasons change that you need to begin to declare over yourself, over your family, over your marriage. So lean into him. What is it? What is the truth that you are teaching me now? And children, we've got a lot of you in this room and a lot of them are mine. You guys are all starting a new school year. It is a tangible season shift. And I would encourage each of you to write three to five declarations that you begin say, hey, my eighth grade year, I'm going to say these declarations over myself before I go to school every day. Brush your teeth, say your declarations, wash your face, put it into your morning routine. I'll challenge you three to five. Share them with your mom and dad. Everybody got it? Because this is how we walk confidently from glory to glory in the children as children of God. You guys are the favored ones. The favored ones. So, transition in one season will not look or feel like transition in the next. Johnny Key number 3. Do not base the rightness of where the Lord is taking you on the ease with which it is obtained. 
His voice is the only guide. Do not base the rightness of where the Lord is taking you on the ease with which it is obtained. His voice is the only guide. I think sometimes maturity in us, sometimes when we are beginning to learn to hear his voice, he makes the lab activities in the kingdom. As I kind of feel like sometimes it's like science lab with me and God. Like he's teaching me something new and he makes it really easy for me to experience it because he wants me to have that small success that is necessary. You know, it's like when somebody's learning to read, you don't hand them Tolstoy or whatever. You, you give them a book that they're going to be able to read and feel successful. And I feel like that's sometimes how it is. <laughs> With daddy and me. Like, hey, this is a new concept for Amy, so I'm going to make it kind of easy for her to feel super good at it, you know, at first. And um, however, maturity means that then sometimes we actually are going to have to lean into it a little bit more because we aren't going to stay at those beginning levels all the time. And he's going to, he wants us to mature. He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow in our, the amount of anointing and favor that we walk in. And so sometimes we have to, this is how I picture it. You know, sometimes in life you're just leaning back and the Lord's taking you. And it's such a fun, I like this season. Other seasons, it's like you have to lean in. Like you're in a lean-in season. You've got to put a little bit more muscle into it. And it does not mean right Wrong. It means right, right, but I'm actually growing up and I'm learning to use my spiritual muscles to advance the kingdom of God. I wrote this in my journal and I'm just going to read it to you. In my past seasons, I could lean back and all the grace I needed was readily available for the task. When the seasons change, I can't access grace the same way. Some seasons require me to lean in. Your grace is so good, but maturity learns new ways to access it in the transitions of life. Maturity learns new ways to access it in the transitions of life. I don't know about you guys, but I really want to be mature. That's my goal. I I like being childlike, but boy, do I want to move on to solid food. I really do. Sometimes we'll hear the phrase, just in passing, I've uttered these words myself, the phrase, the grace has lifted over whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, we were helping doing this, the grace has lifted, so I'm just going to stop doing that. And I'm not saying that that might not be the case, but I'm just saying you need to stop and inquire of the Lord. Because it may be that you've been in this and it feels like the grace is lifted, but he's actually just asking you to lean in a little bit and apply some of the things that he's teaching you in a new way. So it may be, yes, he's transitioning and he has something else for you. Very valid. I'm just saying, don't assume, though, because something gets hard, then it means it's yesterday's season. We have to learn to see and inquire of him. So this was a funny little part of life. Because when I, when I had my love encounter with God, Amy before that was bound up by legalism in the church. I was like wrapped up and encased and I must do X, Y, Z. And 
all the things and if I miss out and I don't get it done, then I'm just a horrible Christian. That was me. It was not super fun season. It wasn't a super fun 36 years of my life. Um, <coughs> yeah, it was a long season. Legalism is, is a yucky thing. So, however, I after that, I went through this time where it was like, I didn't have to do anything because I knew he just loved me. And that was true. But then there's like this part where he actually wants me to re-engage my will in a way that's sanctified instead of bound up. And it was a tangible transition for me where, you know, and funny because even my kiddos, you know, it's like how I I had a hard time helping my kids want to do daily devotions in this season because I had been so bound up by the legalism of it. Does that make sense? And so, so then the Holy Spirit began to breathe on me, which I love that about him. And he told me that my will is a key tool that the Spirit desires to use to establish me in and through the seasons of transition. And when he began talking to me about my will, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just have been doing everything from love. Which I had my quiet times, I had my devotions, but just because I was crazy about him, you know, which is true. But then crazy about him and Will getting married is a powerful thing. Because even then on those icky days, I don't have to pervert my will and and call it legalism, even if the feelings of love aren't there. Okay, does that make sense? And so... First Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. First Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. My whole spirit, soul, and body. That makes up me. And the Lord began to talk to me about the spirit, the soul, and the body. This could be like 500 sermons. This is going to be like three seconds worth of this. So there's more. Yes, oh, so so much more. But the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about the spirit being the source of the plan for my life. The soul, my mind, will, and emotions being the interpretation of the plan. And the body being the execution of the plan. So our spirit, must we must feed our spirit daily so that it rises up to that place of prominence in our lives. And then Arthur Burke said this. He said, self-control in the New Testament accurately portrays a spirit ruling over a soul. So our logics and our emotions have to take a back seat. When the spirit is speaking something, it doesn't always have to make sense. But we need to come into agreement with what the Spirit is saying. Engage our mind, will, and emotions to it so that our body can actually do what the Spirit is saying. And so that's the flow that he wanted to begin to talk to me about. So my body must learn to submit to the surrendered soul. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so my will now has a sanctified place in my life. 
And it's not functioning based on how much I can internally muster up the effort to do my quiet time. It's flowing from my spirit connection with my daddy because he's in love with me. And then from that place, he fuels me to execute and do what he's calling me to do. Does that make sense? Our will is not the enemy, but it also isn't the charge guy, right? So when you lack will to do what you know God's calling you to do, don't muster it up from your shoes, please. Just reconnect with the Spirit. Take some time in His presence. Let Him fuel you so that you can go and do what He's calling you to do. You can't muster yourself up enough. I tried a really, really long time. And He gives it for free. That's just how He fills us. That's how He fuels us. Key number four. Use your will to do what has been breathed into you by revelation and encounter to advance the kingdom of God. Use your will to do what has been breathed into you by revelation and encounter to advance the kingdom of God. Because guys, it's all about encounter. It's all about encounter. But if our encounters get left at the altar... And they never actually execute to change your neighborhoods, to change your cities, to change your towns. We're missing, you know, three-fourths of the point. He loves to transform us. But our transformation is to actually help transform others. We're the Christ-like ones that are leaky all over Genoa, like Jeannie was saying. That's why we have encounters. It's so we can spill them. So the Lord actually said to me, Amy, it's time for your spiritual disciplines to be baptized in love instead of legalism. It's time for your spiritual disciplines to be baptized in love instead of legalism. So there are... How many of you can think like right off the top of your head of an encounter you had with God that involved your emotions, that involved your emotions? Okay. How many of you can think of an encounter you had with God that first was was with your mind, like you were reading scripture and something just awakened in you? Okay. There are, those are both super valid ways to have encounters with God. We can encounter him in our emotions and we can encounter him in his word or him speaking a truth to us and it just awakens our mind like our mind just goes wow I never saw it that way before right both of those are valid but you know if you have an emotional encounter with God don't let Holy Spirit you know he's going to just want to take you into an understanding of actually what he was accomplishing in your life so when you have an emotional encounter with God you know sit on it for a few days say Holy Spirit what were you doing What was it that you were reestablishing in me? How was that supposed to change my life? What were you doing? And just sit on it until he gives you some of that framework for what he was actually doing because he wants us to have an articulated nugget of our encounter so that it actually transforms us moving forward. And it's equally as valid to have an encounter that's with your mind first. But when we only awaken our mind and it never becomes like this emotional, like we've we've fallen in love, you can be like, hey, that guy's cute. 
When you fall in love, you've like encountered an emotion and it has nothing to do with your head thinking, hey, he's cute, right? It's a completely different thing. And we need to do that with the things that the Lord is showing us. That he would awaken them and then he would awaken them. are good. I love all encounters in any way, shape, or form they come. But we just need to make sure that we are stewarders of those encounters and that we don't hustle past them with the busyness of life and go, well, that felt really good. No, let's, let's be wise. Let's take time to sit. Let's take time to see, hey, I love you, Daddy. What are you doing? What are you doing in me? So I wrote down here that we must mature to the point that we execute the truths we learned and encounter apart from the emotions or feelings of it. And I think this is part of our glory to glory walk. Because sometimes we can feel something super powerfully in an encounter with God. All of our emotions are stirred and nobody could argue us out of the truth that he just deposited. And then how many of you have tried like the next day to explain it to something else and it just felt flat? Like, man, it was so yummy. Why is it just like flat? It's because we have to be the ones that whether we feel emotion or not, that we believe the truth he's deposited in us. And it doesn't matter how we feel. Okay, the power of it is there because it's from him. Whether or not we're feeling all yummy or not is irregardless. I like yummy, but we don't all, we all know we don't all live there, right? We don't continually always are in the yummy. Sometimes we're in the, I'm walking this out because I'm your girl and you're good. <coughs> Obadiah 17 said, but on Mount Zion, my voice is going, honey. John, <coughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Too much. It's always John Denver. You know, was it was something green? To, what's the tomato song, honey? Homegrown tomatoes. How many of you have heard Homegrown Tomatoes by John Denver outside of the Clausen family? You should Google it. It's one of our, it's it's the classic road tripping song. Okay. Obadiah 17, but on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And I, for one, want to be a possessor of my possessions in the kingdom of God. I do not want to be a girl who is like, yeah, that encounter happened way long ago. I have no idea what it was, and I've just moved on. I want to be a girl that is possessing. I am currently actively possessing my possessions. I want to bring the things the Lord has taught me into my current state of where I am so that my history with God remains current in my present with God so that I can fully move forward from glory to glory to glory, not needing to continually re-remember but being purposeful and bringing those forward into my today. So key number five, what is taught in one season must be mastered in the next. And so the things that the Lord's doing in certain seasons of our life, I love to kind of 
encapsulate them for myself. Like, okay, this right now, if somebody says, what has the Lord been teaching you about? It's like, I want to have an answer because, you know, there's always something that's like, you could say in one sentence, like everything feels like it's pointing back to that one thing. Like this is the one thing he's just hammering and everywhere I turn, the billboards I see, those are those encapsulatable moments. And begin to write those down for yourself. Get a set of note cards where you put them like, hey, this is what the Holy Spirit told me today. This is this is what I'm feeling, what I'm pressing in for. Um, because every single season has key truths that are important for us today. And I love that Holy Spirit is brilliant about reminding us of what needs to be reminded when we need it. So you could be like, man, I haven't done that and I, I don't really know what my past season things were and so guess what you get to do okay holy spirit i'm ready talk to me talk to me about my past seasons talk to me about the things that you have given me that i'm not remembering now and just begin to ask him because he will bring back those things he will bring back to memory what you need for this season from things he's already taught you before if you have journals reread them If you have little notes in the side of your Bible, pay attention to those things. You know, my mom always has like dates and things and notes next to, you know, specific Bible verses. And it's always really fun to look in her Bible because there's like, it's like her life history in the word. And, um, and so pay attention to those things. So when we move from glory to glory to glory, yesterday is glory isn't like less glorious, right? It all moves forward with us. And so in the kingdom of God, when we're moving from glory to glory, it's like yesterday's glory actually just gets built upon. It's not like we're leaving yesterday's glory and we're hopping from glory to glory. It's like an advancing wave, like it's actually increasing. And so that's how it is for us in our walks that we just get to keep bringing it with us. And the glory we walk in today is bigger than the previous glory because it's the kingdom of God. We're advancing in the kingdom of God. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's really yummy. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So who's doing this yummy work? Laura says the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. He's the one that is taking the things he's been teaching. He's helping us keep those things current. He's positioning our eyes ahead so that we are captivated by the eyes of the only one that matters. And moving in that direction. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. So don't be impatient. Keep your eyes focused on him. Don't feel like you have to do this good work yourself. Because I'm not the transformer of Amy, right? My job is to steward what he's showing me. I'm not the transformer. I can't do that over myself. I can't I can't make myself the radiant bride of Christ. Anybody else feel like they can accomplish that task? 
He, Holy Spirit, is the one that gets to do that. So when you feel overwhelmed or uncertain, capture the gaze of the one who's a, that's all he wants to do. It's his favorite thing in the world. And then we have to remember, like King David, that we need to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. If you go to Samuel chapter, um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm just going to read to you a little titch of this. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinam and Zin, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal and the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, uh, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. So David went, he and his 600 men are with him, with him and they came to the brook uh, Besar, where they stayed, uh, where those mm, where those stayed who were left behind. So here we have David, and what does it say that David did in the middle of this struggle? So, like his family's gone, all his warriors' families are gone. He cried his eyes out. Seems appropriate. He cried his eyes out, and then it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. He went where he needed to do. And then, and then he said that David inquired of the Lord. So David didn't go to the Lord and say, why did this happen? Why did this happen to us? You're supposed to be with us. You promised us things. Why did this happen? No, David said, um, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? He went and said, okay, what is it you want me to do? Here's the circumstance. You've seen my tears. I've strengthened myself in the Lord. And now what is it that you have me to do? And I just release that over this room, that we would be a people. We are, we are real life people like David. There are sad things that just need crying. They need crying. That's not a non-spiritual thing. But then we don't stay there. Then we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, who is our only hope. And then we ask him, what is it that you have me to do? Here's the circumstances that I find myself in. The bawling ones, the crying my eyes out circumstances, and I need your wisdom so that I can step forward in maturity and do what you have me to do. So the key number six, this is additional. So we must strategically train the next generation to navigate transitions well. I, I, as a mom, I mean, this is just what my heart prayer is. 
that my children would understand the power of truth, the importance of of strengthening themselves in the Lord. I can think of nothing that I would rather have my children know that when they face gut-wrenching adversity like David did, that they would know that it's okay to cry, that they would know that their next step is to strengthen themselves in the Lord, and then they would look to heaven for strategies. I want nothing else besides my children being taught and equipped with that truth um, as they walk through life. And, and one of the things for us as as mentors, for us as parents, for us as human people, is that we learn to steward the voice of the Lord really well for ourselves and, and really have that be a key thing that when we have people that we are pouring into, that that would be something that we would help them learn to steward as well. And so for uh, one time when my, this is way back in the day when all eight of my children were in our house. Wow, such a fun season. But it's glory to glory, God. They all are good. And um, But I, I homeschooled the kids, and they all woke up in the morning and came down to the dining room table. But before they got up, because how many mothers know they always want breakfast? The kids always want to be fed. They do, don't they? In fact, all my sons go to bed at night. What is for breakfast? Because they just have to know they sleep better. Um, but this particular morning, I had gotten up early. And I had made cinnamon rolls from scratch. And I took, I, I literally milled the flour. We had, you know, and ground the grain and made the dough and let them all rise and cook them in the oven. So it was kind of a process. So by the time everybody woke up, the house was smelling fine. It was, you know, and so they came down to the table and I had the cinnamon rolls on the table and I, I, they all were like, Hey, let's pray. And I'm like, well, no, just a second. I got, I have something to say. And so I was like, so in the cinnamon rolls, I went through, I'm like, so first of all, I took this, this white winter wheat and I mixed it with the red winter wheat and then I put it through the grain mill and I did it on the really fine because that makes it yummier dough. And then it came through and then I, and I, I explained the entire process, you know, to the butter going on, the cinnamon and the brown sugar and the, the rising and the cooking. And the, I, I went ad nauseum and told them all the information about these cinnamon rolls. And then I'm like, everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> all right, go do school. And they, and they all were like, they sat there, like nobody listened to me. I'm like, oh, you actually want to eat the cinnamon rolls. You don't just want to smell them and look at them and hear about them. And I feel like that sometimes we're guilty of giving people information about God and feeling like that's a substitute for encountering him. How many of you would have been satisfied to learn about the cinnamon rolls and not eat the cinnamon roll? Because then if anybody came up to my kids after the cinnamon roll had been consumed and said that cinnamon roll is bitter, it's yucky, it kind of tastes like sandpaper, would my kids have believed them? No. My kids have encountered a cinnamon roll. And no matter what anybody tells them about a cinnamon roll, they're going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but what you ate was not a cinnamon roll. Right? And how many of us, that's what we want for our kids. We want them to have encountered God. So that if anybody comes and tries to tell them who God is, and it's not really God, they'll be like, I don't know who you're talking about, but you haven't encountered my God. Because my God is yummy. He's gooey and filled with brown sugar and cinnamon, and he's delicious. 
And so that is my passion, that my children would encounter God. That no matter what anybody else says, what anybody else tries to convince, they are rooted in that fact. They know him. They know about him. I'm not saying don't teach the stuff. I'm just saying don't just teach the stuff. We got to eat him. He wants to be consumed. (coughs) And you know what? This doesn't have to be hard. Holy Spirit has strategies for your children. So if you're thinking, how in the world do I do that? Ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? What is it you want to awaken in my kids? What is it you're doing in my family? And then take the time to execute the things Holy Spirit shows you. Sometimes life gets busy, but it's not. The busy isn't the important. The busy is not the important. It's the what are my children encountering and who are they encountering? All right, we are going to finish up. I When all of this was stirring over me, um, I like journaling. It's my favorite thing. And sometimes when I journal, there is a moment where I know it's not me journaling anymore, but it's just Holy Spirit prophesying to me about things and um, seasons and what he's doing. And this, I'm going to read you one of my journals, but it, it was a prophetic journaling. This is, this is not Amy thinking about stuff. This was just God kind of downloading about this topic. And so I just want us to kind of just situate yourself to receive Hear what the Lord has to say to you and just close your eyes and I'm going to read you a a second here. I'm not just developing you. I have something critical that I need you to share with my kids. A profound upgrade that will gather the possessions of this generation and make them accessible to the next. I talked to Joshua about this. He was learning so much about me and learning so fast I needed him to talk to his family about what he was learning for him, too. This is Joshua in the Bible. He was establishing himself in me. His roots were going deeper with every mention of my supremacy. He was keeping me forever before his eyes. He was keeping himself current in my radical goodness over his life, remembering it all and pulling it continually forward. Yesterday's revelation was continuing to be his current truth. He learned to mix appropriately encounter and the will. What I showed him, he grabbed onto and purposely taught again and again and again. I have fresh words for you and your family, but my past words are for you to continually devour. This season is powerful. But the seasons past are not irrelevant. This season can only be correctly interpreted if you remember what I've given you in the past. It's not a clean break. Our dance continues and our moves together are cumulative. Live in that reality. I love to establish myself in you. So often my kids don't realize that when I move emotions away from a principle I've taught... It is there that their powerful will gets to kick in. Your will is not your enemy. It is time to wake it up and let it do its job I created it for. It is a powerful tool that I made in my image. Your will is mine, fully and completely saturated by me. Use it to do what I have breathed into you by revelation and encounter. Your will puts feet to what I teach you at my throne. 
I need my children to execute my glory over the face of the earth. My glory is displayed in you as you pull down, make it your own, and walk it out on the earth. Experience and encounter must marry the mind and the will, not just touch your emotions. Your emotions are an easy access point from the spirit, but then your mind and will must engage. You are made like me, very spectacularly. In the past, emotions were viewed negatively, but your emotions are a powerful tool that I love to use to awaken your mind and will to my truth and plan. But don't forget that when your emotions move on, my truth remains. I love to engage with you, with all of you. 100% of you is my delight. Embrace you and the journey I have you on. It's time to possess your possessions, yours, from your lifetime. Speak of them, share them, write them down. Walk them out so that you learn to develop the exceptional into the normal. That is my delight. Walk it out. And so, Daddy, I just bless this room. I bless these men and women of God that they would be awakened to the glory that you are revealing in them. Father, I thank you that you have done everything that we need. And that our eyes turn to you. There's nothing we can't accomplish together. Daddy, I just bless the passions on the hearts of the people in this room. I bless the things they're stewarding. I bless the direction that you've given them to walk in their pursuit of you. And we thank you that the things that you bless are irrevocably blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.